Divergent Fitness Podcast, where we use science to make women stronger, not smaller. I'm your host, Amber Sobrio-Ritter, and I'm super excited. Today we have a guest, uh, Emily Young, who is a therapist and co-creator of a trauma-informed personal training certification, uh, in addition to be a, being a personal trainer and working with clients. It's been really cool to prepare for the seminar that's coming up. Um, where I'm going to be certified as a trauma-informed personal trainer. I've been reading some books in preparation. Um, one is Laura Kudari's book, Lifting Heavy Things, Healing Trauma One Rep at a Time. Another is the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which is uh, an amazing book talking about how trauma sort of gets stored or lodged inside of your body. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting conversation today. And is also going to inform some of my topics over the next few months. I've been digging into some different things around um, trauma being embodied, uh, how to make personal training more embodied and teach my clients to have that skill, uh, fat phobia, the origins of uh, the BMI scale, um, also kind of looking at anti-fatness as anti-blackness, looking at some uh, these racist themes that have also informed the way we see all of our bodies. Um, so some really cool, deep, heavy stuff, but a super interesting conversation to have uh, to just become more and more embodied ourselves so we can then give that gift uh, to other people, right? We have an understanding of how other people are feeling because we know how to feel our own feelings. So it's almost like your responsibility to the world, right, to kind of work on this part of yourself and to kind of grow this skill uh, so you can show up in the world as a healer and not accidentally cause self-harm through your own pain. Uh, so without further ado, Emily Young. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs> and tell me, where are you located again? I am in Annapolis, Maryland, so it's kind of between D.C. and Baltimore in Maryland. Okay. Is it cold yet? It is. It's a bit cold. I think this week is supposed to be pretty warm, like, you know, upper 60s, but okay. it is, it's definitely getting chillier than I would like. <laughs> yes. I love how upper 60s, you know, to someone in California, I'm like, ooh, upper 60s, that sounds chilly, right? Oh, it's cold. <laughs> it's cold for me too. Like, yes. I'm a summer girl. <laughs> yes, totally. I cannot hang with those, you know, single, di single digits. Oh, it's horrible. Yes. So I'm really excited to have you on today to kind of talk about um, the amazing work that you're doing, uh, just to kind of go into, uh, just give a little bit of background about Emily. So trauma-informed personal trainer, therapist, and co-creator of the trauma-informed personal training certification, which I'm going to be taking in oh, a little less than two weeks, which mm -hmm. I'm really, really excited about. Um, so can you kind of just discuss, like, uh, you know, I know this was a little bit of a journey to get to this point where, you know, you were able to sort of combine some of your passion around strength training, um, with uh, the work you're doing as a therapist. Um, can you share just a little bit about what that journey was like for you? Yeah, um, it was a bit all over the place to come here, um, as many great journeys are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I actually, I had always wanted to combine fitness and mental health in, in some way. Mm -hmm. um, grew up playing sports, um, have always been kind of an active person. 
Mm -hmm. And when I went in to get my master's degree in social work, I really wanted to find a way to combine the two fields. Um, Didn't end up, it didn't end up going that way initially. Um, When I first got into private practice therapy, uh, as many, as many new therapists are, I was very uh, burnt out initially Mm -hmm. in terms of my caseload. Um, I was paying off a lot of like student debt and things like that. So I kind of had to have a higher caseload at that time. Um, and it was just a lot. And so I, instead of blending the two fields, it kind of ended up being like, I'm going to go to my therapy office and then shut the door. And then I'm going to go to the gym to do personal training. And they ended up kind of being really separate fields for my own self-care. It was Mm kind of like, I just needed to have two separate spaces. Yeah. Um, and ultimately what ended up happening was it kind of was this glaring realization of, I really couldn't separate the two fields. Mm -hmm. Um, more and more, I started realizing that people were coming to work with me at the gym because they knew I was a therapist. They knew, um, that I had a background in mental health. Um, and without real like without advertising anything, I was just getting, Um, I was hearing from a lot of clients who were coming in saying that, you know, the fitness industry had been very harmful for them in the Mm -hmm, past, that mm -hmm. they had kind of been in and out of movement practices in their life, Mm -hmm. um, and really wanted to work with someone who understood mental health. Right. At that time they were talking about strictly mental health. Like no one was really talking about bringing up trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't until a little later on where I started to realize that was really what was going on in a lot of my training clients and mm-hmm. in the struggles that they had engaging with movement in the past. Right. Um, and so I kind of started to formalize things a bit and, um, you know, kind of writing down like what it was that I was doing. Cause I knew that what I was doing was different. I just didn't really like no one else in my space was doing that. Right. Um, so I didn't really know what to call it or, or what it was. I just knew that, the way that I was doing personal training was very different from a lot of my colleagues and um, peers in the fitness industry. Right. Um, and so it wasn't actually until I uh, came across Laura Kuderi where I realized like, Oh, this is actually, this is a thing. Right, um, yes. And I got super, it, it sounds like that was kind of your experience too, Amber, of like just hearing trauma from personal training mm-hmm. and getting so excited because so many of us, you know, coming from, doing some of this work already, mm-hmm. ha- like finding out that there's actually a field that's growing is just the coolest thing. Oh my um, gosh. It's so exciting. It really yeah. yeah. Because what you realize, like once you, if you come from a different background, so I come from like a behavior analytic background and like autism services coming into this and just having like a general, like a pretty good understanding of a lot of psychological theory. Right. And then you come into the fitness space and you're kind of like, Whoa, this place is like, pretty toxic and no one seems to be aware of it, right? No one seems to recognize it because it's like the water that all of these like little fish are swimming and like everyone's just used to like, this is what the fitness industry looks like. And I think recognizing that, you know, we're talking about sort of trauma and at a bare minimum, the goal is, should be to just not harm someone in any additional way, right? So they come in to see me to lift weights. It's like, I'm not triggering some other peripheral thing, right? But I was noticing that like, from the music that's being played, um, the messaging, you know, hearing people doing a lot of like skin caliper measurements and talking a lot about like thinness as the goal. I just felt like, um, 
this can't be it, you know, like this is a place where people would come to potentially be re-traumatized, you know, and that's why the fitness industry isn't serving 95% of the population because people have such harsh uh, sort of memories of this, right. And the messaging, all this, uh, you know, fat phobic messaging that we've all been getting since the time we were born. Correct. Did you identify as an athlete? Like, did you sort of grow up, you know, I know Laura, you know, in her book, she talks about how she didn't, you know, she was like a little artsy, you know, artsy little nerdy yeah. kid. Right. And it's, that's, how I would have identified myself as well, not as an athlete. So even as a smaller bodied person, I didn't think the gym was a place that like, oh, that's for people who are like that and believe that way. I didn't really see myself being able to lift heavy things. Did you ever see yourself in sort of an athletic way or? Yeah, I, I grew up playing sports and I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't an amazing athlete by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but um, I always enjoyed sports and um you definitely come from a place of privilege in that I have typically always felt comfortable mm -hmm. walking into mm -hmm. a gym space, right. um, which is very different um, from, from so many people. Totally. Um, and that, you know, just kind of being coming from an active background, I also coming from the world of sports and um, you know, then eventually in college getting into um, in many, like in many ways, very disordered paths mm -hmm. uh with movement mm -hmm. um it really um you know over time things have really shaped and evolved into um it's a big part of why i'm here today mm -hmm. in you know kind of discovering this embodied practice um and being able to move in a way that actually feels good for my body and right. um honors where my body is at yes I love that. I've, I've gone through so many iterations of that just in the last few years, you know, uh, my girlfriend was so smart to remind me I was, I was sort of like, um, bulking, you know, and trying to build more muscle. And she was like, isn't being upset that you're, you know, um, isn't, isn't wanting to have bigger muscles, just a different kind of version of not being happy, right. With the way you're presenting your body's being presented. And I was like, Ooh, right. Like, Ooh, she got me good with that one. Like, okay. Yeah, you know, Love someone that can call you in like yeah, yeah call me out on my shit just like that yes. yeah and it was sort of like okay I'm and I'm injuring myself right so just like you're saying what kind of movement feels better to me and getting into some kind of other things like um like steel mace training and a little bit more functional movement and kind of some fun stuff like that you know and letting your body be the guide versus this sort of you know pres you know prescription that you write ahead of time and you follow it no matter what I think that kind of like brings me into ah. what's the difference, you know, between regular personal training and trauma informed personal training. Like would people be able to, to know it if they saw it, is it really obvious or is it more subtle? I, I think it's pretty, I think it's very obvious. Mm -hmm. um, other people could have different opinions about that, but I think it's a, there's a pretty stark difference. Mm -hmm. um, at least in, in, and in my experience too, the work that I was doing was oftentimes like people were asking me questions about it. They could, they could see that it was different. There was something that was different about it. Right. Um, I think one of the biggest differences is that traditional fitness uh, modalities really don't take into account the impact that trauma has on our bodies, mm -hmm. on our nervous system, um, on our brains, and how that impacts our ability to engage with movement, mm -hmm. which is just really wild. You know, right. as trainers, we're in the business of working with bodies right. and we're movement specialists, mm -hmm. but we get no training on how 
trauma impacts our client's ability to engage with movement. Um, Or even to sense their bodies, like go inside and feel things, you know? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a big thing. I I mean, I, I look at a lot of like CrossFit modalities Mm -hmm. um, in Olympic lifting. And if you are a trainer that's having a client who's very detached and disconnected from their body, Mm -hmm. go underneath a barbell, Mm -hmm. we talk a lot in the fitness world about safety and making sure that like, you know, the form is correct and you know, all, all these different things to make sure that it's safe for our clients, Mm -hmm. but somehow we're not talking about how connected we are to our bodies. And we're not talking about that internal safety. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think with trauma informed personal training, we're it's, it's like this whole mindset shift. Mm -hmm. Whereas with traditional, we're, we're really like outcome focused looking at, you know, changing bodies, or even if we're not trying to change the body, maybe setting goals with like performance or different lifts or things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas with a trauma informed approach, um, it's really this big mindset shift of kind of coming into finding, regaining safety in the body again, Mm -hmm. after trauma, Mm -hmm. Um, and tapping into how movement can actually help us feel more connected with our bodies right. movement can help us expand our window of tolerance and, yes. and um, be able to tolerate the, the triggers and the stressors that come with trauma movement right. can actually help decrease uh, post-traumatic symptoms um, wow. and increase nervous system flexibility right. after trauma, you know, all these things that are impacted mm-hmm. uh, by trauma um, and so with the trauma-informed approach, um, it is much less outcome-focused and more process-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not concerned about the numbers right. um, in any capacity. We're really focused on doing what feels good for the body yeah. and putting the client at the forefront. So the, you know, the helping the client build the skills to be able to identify what is it that actually feels good to my body? Right. Um, what do I want to do today? Or yeah. what does my body need to do today? Right. Versus walking into a gym where the workout's already listed up on the, you know, the chalkboard yeah. and just do it. Yes. Which is like, it, it's, there's, there's nothing inherently bad about that. A lot of times it's, it's helpful mm-hmm. um, to kind of just be in a place of needing to disconnect and go into a gym and um, follow a pre-programmed movement plan. Right. But, you know, with, with trauma-informed training, it's really this partnership where, like, as the trainer, I'm kind of stepping out of the role of expert. Right, yes. <laughs> and, you know, I'm working together with my client to help them be able to determine, like, what actually, what does my body need um, in this moment? Yes. And everything from, like, reps to the weight that we're using to the kind of movement, it's, it's all about like what does the body actually need and what actually feels good for right. the body? What's the body actually ready for? You yes. know, all of those, all those things. I love that. And you know what, when I, I'm working with my clients and sometimes I'll say, what do you, what do you think you need to get from today? You know, when we, this hour that we have together, what do you think your body needs from this hour? You know? And sometimes they say, I think I just need to do like some trigger point mobility stretching, you know, and then maybe 10 minutes in they're like, actually I'm feeling this other way, you know? Um, or maybe we do trigger point mobility the whole time, or they're like, I'm ready to get a really, really, you know, hard workout. Like I want to lift heavy weight. And I think that just having them check in to assess where they're at in that moment and giving them permission 
right? Because I think sometimes people don't show up. Like if I know that it's a CrossFit class, I know I'm going to show up. I know what's waiting for me. There's going to be a prescription, right? And if I go inside myself and I'm like, I just don't have that in me today, then I don't go. Then I, then I maybe layers of shame on top of like, because I didn't go or whatever, instead of just like finding an approach that allows me to show up as a human and that being enough, like there's, there's just so, there are not many domains in the world where you, where I, maybe it's just me feel like I'm allowed to just show up as a total human. Like, hi, I'm here. I'm doing my best. This is where I'm at today, but I'm still here doing my best. Right. I think that trauma informed personal training sounds like come as you are. Yeah, it really honors where you are at any given time. Yes. And I love what you said about just show being able to show up in your humanness. Yes. And there are like I think traditional fitness, there's just this like mindset that we just leave you should just leave it at the door. Right. Like as soon as you step into the gym, you just leave it at the door. Yeah. And it's just not how humans work. Mm-mm. Um it's it's also not really always helpful yeah. to encourage like <laughs> disconnection yes. in right. that way. Yeah. Instead of having saying, you know what, come in regardless of where you're at yes. today. Yes. Let's check in and let's even if you decide I just want to lay on a mat yeah. in child's pose. Yes an hour yeah cool right you know do you want to listen what kind of music do you want to listen to (laughs) yes it need to be quiet yeah you know really just tapping into each person's unique choice um with and 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 we know especially with different trauma histories choice is something that is often taken away and so the personal training relationship can really be a place where we you know we can help facilitate choice again um right and just providing that space for people to be messy and for people to really just learn what it is it what is it that my body actually needs in this moment right and to have a space where they can actually ask and receive that totally and there's no judgment around it like they're so mm-hmm. empowered to come in and they tell you know if they say i want to lay here i have no attachment to that if they said i want to do a hard strength workout or i want to lay here I don't feel anything different in my body, you know? And I think that there's this like fear of disappointing the other, you know, disappointing my trainer, disappointing myself that keeps them from being honest, you know, but maybe where they're at in that moment. And so it's so empowering to know like, oh, this really is about me. This isn't about my trainer and their ego. And you've had, you've done such great work on this, like in your Instagram content where it's like, hey, trainers, maybe you should check in with, the feelings that come up for you when you feel like your clients aren't making progress, right? How you've defined progress. Um, Because I think that is a thing that we struggle with. You know, we struggle with our own body image issues. We struggle with our own sort of messaging, like undoing a lot of that messaging and, um, and our need to like feel competent, right? How do you, so let's, so let's redefine that, I guess, for any trainers that are listening. So for trauma-informed personal trainers, you're not defining being a good trainer as like all my clients are um, whatever, meeting some prescribed goal, right? That I've written for them or whatever. That's, we're taking that off the table. That's no longer how we're identifying progress. It's not if they're getting thinner or whatever. These are not things that we have a desire to happen for them. Um, It's totally up to what they want. So how are you, how do you define your success as a trainer? Using like what metrics do you use? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I would say it's it's different. It's going to be different for for every client. But mm-hmm. one of the biggest things is if if my clients are able to voice mm-hmm. 
what it is that they need. Yeah. Or even if they're still learning what they need and maybe they don't quite know in that moment, Mm -hmm. just even saying, I don't really know what I need. Can we work together to figure it out? Or, um, or saying like, I don't want to think about it today. Can you just put me through a workout today? Yeah. I just can't devote energy and, and mental space to it today. Great. Like all of those things, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's knowing that we have the relationship and we have the the safety built for that conversation to happen. Yeah. That we feel comfortable saying, here's what I need, knowing that there's not going to be judgment and that we're going to go for it in right. whatever way. Like I had a, I had a client who... Um, said, I really just am being drawn to try Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I have no experience with that. <laughs> let me Google but real fast. Let's, let's pull up a YouTube video. Yeah. And let's, yes. let's that together. Yeah. It was a beautiful session. It was, it was really great. And uh. um, so I think that that's probably the biggest metric for me is if my clients are, um, you know, they're, they're able to use voice and and choice within a session. I think that's like, that's all I need. Seeing them become more and more empowered, not only empowered, but like, first of all, having the ability to check in with themselves, to know what they need and what they want, and then to be empowered to say it. Like, is there a win that's bigger than that? You know, like there's, how could joining a six week program and shedding some amount of weight, right? Everything's marketed as like, this will change your life. 20 pounds is not going to change your life. That's this, that's irrelevant details, right? The thing that's going to change your life is the ability to go inside of yourself and like check in and then say what you need. I mean, that's like, that's transformative. That's bigger than anything. I'm in my opinion, like what's bigger than that, right? Like knowing how you feel and then being able to say it and feeling that you have that agency in your life. Like that, that changed their life outside of the gym, right? Then you walk into work. Oh, I, I know how to check in with myself here. You walk into a relationship. I know how to check in with myself. And I think Laura, I think it was in the New York Times article that I read and really enjoyed um, that mentioned both you and Laura. And, and there was some quote like personal training um, or strength training specifically. There's something that really works for people who have gone through trauma because it allows them to push towards the trauma pull back and rest. And when I say trauma, I mean like just feeling overwhelmed in your body, those uncomfortable feelings that, you know, the anxiety, the panic, you push towards it, you handle it for a short duration, then you pull back, right? There's this. There's, yeah, there's the the pendulation Uh of moving towards a triggering, stressful situation and then back, you know, then resting and and coming back and finding safety. And, and so with that, we're, we're building, we're expanding window of tolerance because we know that a lot of the physiological effects of movement are very similar to the physiological effects of, uh, that we experience with trauma, like, you know, quickened heart rate, um, quickened breath, uh, temperature rising. And so it it is like, you know, it's kind of building capacity Mm -hmm. to, to tolerate those different, um, triggers that our brain then becomes wired to perceive as, um, threatening yes. or dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really, I, you know, kind of back to what we were talking about before and like the difference is that this is, this is a healing, uh, mod- modality, right. um, using movement to heal and integrate trauma, yes. um, versus like, 
going into a gym and just signing up for a class like this mm-hmm. is it's, it's just like kind of a completely different lane yeah um and it, it's just so cool the you know the different things that can come from come from engaging with this kind of movement practice right. um even like I was I was talking about um checking in with the clients about where you know where's your body at what does your body need today mm-hmm. there are a lot of people especially after trauma where we we have to disconnect so much in order to survive that right. it's really hard to identify feelings, like building that interoception, mm-hmm. um, being able to sense our own internal experience. It's really, really difficult mm-hmm. um, for a lot of trauma survivors to, to even answer where, where do you feel that in your body or what does your body need today? Right. And so everything that we're doing, it's not just for the heck of it. It's, it's all brain-based mm-hmm. um, when we're asking continuously, um, we're checking in about where's the body at, you know, what does your body need today? We're, we're gradually building capacity to be able to sit and reflect and check in with the body, mm-hmm. even if for a very long time, it's um, maybe for the, for a very long time, the answer is, I don't know. Yes. Because yes. at some point, at some point there's going to be, there's going to be an answer and that's a huge win. Yeah. Um, so it's just a completely different way of looking at the trainer client relationship. Yeah. To me, I see the movement practice truly as like the backdrop to the really, really cool work that's being done otherwise, you know, which is like the, 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 the transformative thing that's happening here isn't that you got your bench press from like 100 to 115, right? Like that's a cherry on top maybe. Right. But it's like, you, you are like, you're empowered in a way that maybe you've never felt before in your life because previously Trauma was accompanied with a lack of control and being overwhelmed, right? You're stuck in it. And then every fitness exposure you had from that moment on was more of the same, right? You're out of control and you're overwhelmed. You don't get to decide when the break is. The coach is the one that tells you, you don't feel good, you know? And so you kind of learn how to take some of that power back and realize that you actually, you can handle hard things, you know, like you can do really hard things. You just have to have some agency to choose how, right? You just have to check in with yourself and be able to have the power to make that choice. And then you're like, it's a lot of unlearning. Like maybe you see that with some of your clients. Like my clients have beliefs about themselves. Like I can't do hard things. I can't stick with anything. Uh, I'm lazy. Like a lot of really negative self-talk. And then they come in and they do this work and maybe see themselves, they, they see themselves being consistent for the first time in their lives. They see themselves pushing harder than I'm like, it's up to you, you know, whatever you, you want to go heavier, you want to go lighter, you want to take a break. And they're, they're surprising themselves, right? Like, Oh, I didn't know this version of me existed in here because I never had the agency. You know, I never felt safe enough to be in this situation before. Do you think that everybody has trauma and, and like, how, how would you define trauma? Because there's probably a lot of people listening to this that are like, I had a great childhood. Like I don't have any trauma. Yeah. <laughs> I think more people than not have at least have had one traumatic experience and that's what the research suggests as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different definitions of trauma mm-hmm. and I would say just kind of generally trauma is, it's not about the event of mm-hmm. what happened. It's about um, what happened afterwards um, and okay. something occurring too, too much, too soon, too fast um, or too little, um, mm. having, 
um, just a really overwhelming experience. It's, it's too, it's too overwhelming for our bodies to navigate in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so as a product of that, we tend to have to disconnect or fragment in order to keep on keeping on, mm-hmm. you know, even mm-hmm. something like a divorce, um, you know, going through a parental divorce at a young age, so many kids have to find a way to go to school and still be right. happy with their friends. Right. And, and so there's just like that really natural fragmentation that comes up. Yes. And, you know, when you're talking about negative self-talk, it's, it's really interesting for people, you know, just in doing their own work around getting, like getting curious about those different things. Um, mm-hmm. If we, if we got curious about, the role or purpose that negative self-talk plays in our life. There's lots of interesting stuff there about how it's actually helped to protect us in many ways Mm -hmm. in the past. The person that, you know, has this, you know, voice or part that's saying I'm lazy, Mm -hmm. I can't do it. There, there may have been times where doing something and acting or being active was unsafe in the past. Um, And so it's, it's always, I think with, with this style of training, we're taking curiosity with, yes. you know, over judgment in every sense of the word. Yeah. Um, just encouraging clients to get curious about these different things that are, that are coming up. And even mm-hmm. as a trainer, getting curious about how could this, like, if there's like a challenging behavior or there's something where we're like, we're feeling kind of stuck yeah. instead of, uh, you know, judging that actually just getting curious about where could this be coming from and, how might this have helped this client survive really right. difficult situations in the past? Right, absolutely. And this might be the first time in these these clients' lives that they've ever been curious about their behavior instead of just judging their behavior. I mean, yeah. truly, that, that's one of the biggest things that I'm trying to drive home is just like behavior is just information. It's just information for you. Like, oh, you know, um, this thing happened. Okay. I'm not going to extract any really mean, harsh stories about myself or I'm, or I'm going to notice when they come up. Right. And I'm going to look at them and I'm not going to fuse with them. Um, I think that that's sort of a a thing that people are not used to. You know, I think that, uh, no one gets training in that. How does trauma, especially, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Especially in the fitness industry. I mean, we really hammer down on that. Like it, the, the negative self-talk, we hear it in it's, it's enhanced in group fitness classes or right. even with individual personal trainers, mm-hmm. you know, that like harder, faster mentality, yes. no pain, no gain, like just push through it. And mm-hmm. if you can't, they might not blatantly say mean things, but that's like, that's kind of the vibe. And that's right. what people assume and take on if they can't complete a workout or can do a lift in the way that it was supposed to, to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's interesting, like, well, you know, when we look at the fitness industry and the role that the fitness industry plays in re-traumatizing, mm-hmm. um, that's a big part of it that, you know, we're a lot of trainers get frustrated with the negative self-talk without realizing that we are working in a system that actively perpetrates right. those those thoughts about, you know, those, those critical thoughts. Um, so it's always like looking at this, the greater system. Yes. And I think too, that there's there, I think trainers are kind of in a place where there's potential confusion for them because they might hear their, their, their clients, you know, talking negatively about themselves, but then they also have this feeling of like, 
okay, let's go ahead and take your measurements and let's step on the scale and let's, it's like, there's, there's sort of a disconnect about how these two are related, right? This client doesn't think they're acceptable as they are. And, and am I as a trainer just regurgitating that back to them by being like, here's how you're still not where, you know, you want to be talking about shifting from the outcome based. I think there's that, like we have our own work to do around not attaching our, our goodness as a trainer or our efficacy as a trainer to some measure that's actually quite harmful for the person, you know, and, and, and has a lot of other issues with it, you know? I think more personal trainers than maybe admit or, or that we know of, I think more, there are a lot of personal trainers or fitness professionals that feel actually pretty icky about the work that we do. Um, and that's something that I hear constantly where people are like, I just didn't feel good about doing this work. Like it didn't feel good Mm -mm. every single day coming to work and trying to change someone's body or make shrink them and make them smaller. Yeah. And it's, I, this this movement, and I call it a movement because it really is yeah. um, this movement of, you know, expanding the, the the traditional way that we've done things and expanding what it means to be a personal trainer or mm-hmm. fitness professional. You know, it's it's kind of coming to that realization of like this doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. This the work that I'm doing doesn't feel nourishing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel rewarding, um, and then taking that step to Mm -hmm. figure out like, how do I do things differently? And because that is out there, you know, we are, we're living proof Mm -hmm. there. It is possible to do things differently. And it doesn't mean that people don't still work out really hard. Um, just work out in their way. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's been just like, that's something overwhelming that I've been hearing from people so many times. They just didn't feel good about work that they were doing. Yeah. And maybe they couldn't even pinpoint it. You know, this has been a really recent realization of mine. Just, um, you know, there will still be some clients who have, have more aesthetic goals and me as a trainer, just getting comfortable telling them like, I'm just not that I'm not the trainer for you. And like being able to sort of accept the loss of that client or being able to recognize, um, I'm just not the person for you in that, because that's not in line with my values, you know, like we, it's interesting. We can do all the same work that you would do with another trainer, but I'm not going to come from that perspective. I'm not going to focus on that perspective. I'm going to do it. I, we're, I can't, I just can't do it. Right. It feels like I'm re-traumatizing myself every time I'm trying to do that with a client. Totally. Especially if we, you know, we as a trainer have our own history with disordered movement Mm -hmm. and, and all of that. Um, that's, that's certainly a factor. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real thing. It is. And it's, it's so exciting that you have created this, um, certification with, um, it's Chelsea Haverly. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Haverly, yeah. yeah. You're a co-therapist. Um, because, uh, this, I mean, this is one of two that I know of. I don't, I do not know of a lot of certification programs that are focused on trauma informed movement practices and, and supporting trainers to get better at this. Uh, and so I'm really excited about this work that you're doing, you know, to, to help the trainers who are feeling like this is, feels wrong, but I don't know why, right. To help sort of like educate them and, and be like, well, maybe this is why. And then it's, you know, it's a click immediately. Totally. Yeah. 
think, um, yeah, it's, it's us and Shraman from weightlifting. Yes. They're, they're great. They're, they're doing a lot of their own research, um, which is really needed and awesome. Right. Um, and I know that, um, decolonizing fitness and fitness for all bodies. They also, um, do some, some different, um, trainings here and there for fitness professionals looking mm-hmm. to expand what it means to exist in this space. Um, awesome. yeah, our, our certification, we really, um, it kind of came from this place of wanting, um, you know, Chelsea and I are both therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, at one point was saying to her, I really want to refer like so many of my therapy clients could really benefit from working with a trainer. They're ready to right. engage with movement. Um, I just didn't trust any of the people in my local area, no. to be honest with my, with my clients. Yeah. Um, and I just couldn't, um, you know, I could, there was no way for me to see everybody. Right. Um, so that was really, you know, for us, we, we wanted to create a certification where, um, we recognize that certifications are not everything and right. that, you know, um, evidence-based practices are not everything. Like there's so many people out there doing this work just in such an organic, natural way. Right. Yes. Um, who don't, who aren't certified or aren't necessarily calling themselves a trauma-informed ther- personal trainer. Mm-hmm. But also recognizing that so many clients, when they're going to look for a trainer, it, it means something to see that they're certified and yeah. um, that they've gotten training and that, you know, they have the title to that kind of implies that they're going to be able to understand what it is that the client's going through. Right. Um, and so that's that was really kind of the premise that we had in, in making a training that was specific to personal trainers. Yes. Um that's what I am. Um, that's what I know. Right. Um, and I really wanted to provide a program where trainers could walk away immediately being able to apply the principles that, yes. you know, I, we have a lot of trainers that come through our program who work in the evening after taking our training, which always blows my mind. But, <laughs> you know, we, we wanted them to be able to like, even in that day, yeah. take some of the principles and immediately start applying um, and so we created a, just a very tangible and accessible um, certification that combines neurobiology and brain science um, with physiology and the, the fields of movement. Right. Yeah. You know, I think that it's the, of course, there are trainers out there doing this without any kind of awareness that they're doing it. I think that's probably the exception to the rule, right? Because this does take a lot of thought, like even like for me, and that's not to say that I have all of these skills, but I have an awareness of this and I catch myself still sometimes wanting to impose my plan onto my client or forgetting to ask for consent before touch, giving my client a a physical cue, you know, like it's, it's not going to be the norm that people are super trauma informed. And I think that, um, I think that it's too important Like if I'm looking for a trainer and let's say I have maybe a eating disorder history, dysfunctional, you know, movement uh, practice history, it seems really dangerous to just reach out and hope for the best because it's like, this could be another data point of me being traumatized in an athletic environment or in a, you know, in some kind of a movement practice. And it's like, it gets scarier and scarier to be willing to open yourself up to that risk, you know, of being traumatized over again. So I think that you know, it's really, it's really wonderful, you know, and really helpful this work that you're doing for all the clients who are out there potentially listening, you know, and, um, aren't sure what an embodied practice is, you know, or how to cultivate an embodied practice. 
what are some, like if you have top, your top three strategies for yourself that you use to be more embodied in your movement practices, what would those be as just like a nice takeaway from this? Yeah, you, you mentioned consent, and I think that's a big one, you know, just even asking myself for consent in what I'm doing, you know, when I'm, I have a little basement set up where I move, um, and every time they go down there, it's kind of like just checking in with what does my body need today? Yeah. Um, che- even like doing kind of a scan through my body, noticing like any areas of tightness. Um, maybe I had planned to do like a lower body strength day, but as I'm kind of moving around and, and tapping into my body and, um, you know, asking those questions about, you know, what's going on, what's going on, where am I right now? Mm -hmm. Uh, what does my body need today? Maybe I figure out actually like my lower body kind of needs a break today. Mm -hmm. It would actually feel better to just go outside and walk. Um, and so it, it, it's really just, I, I, I see embodiment as kind of the practice of just getting reconnected with yourself mm-hmm. um, and your body, and what your body needs, what feels good for your body, mm-hmm. really getting to know you. Right. Um, and so I would say that that's probably the biggest way that I practice and just kind of um, being curious about things that come up instead of you know, practicing from a curiosity mindset. If, mm-hmm. if I notice that something comes up for me or something shifts for me, just kind of being open to exploring what, what just happened there right. um, instead of brushing it off or instead of like hustling through uh, a workout mm-hmm. um, or just, you know, a- attaching a negative story to it, getting curious about what, what's coming up there. God, I love this practice of you asking yourself for consent. And it almost makes me want to cry because I think about all the things I've done to myself before I asked myself for consent, you know, where it was just like, you're going to do this because I said you're going to do it, right? This, this voice, you know, yeah. that, that manager that just wants to come in and sort of like take over. And yeah, it's such a beautiful, it's just such a beautiful, kind thing to do. Like, why don't we do that? <laughs> like, right? Yeah, it's, it's huge, especially, um, for trauma survivors. Um, it's Mm. when, when we ask for consent, it's kind of, well, I'll just say like, I think humans in general, we don't like to be told what to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) even by ourselves. Um, and so, so many times I'll have clients that come in and, um, you know, they'll say like, "Eh, I'm not really, I don't really want to move today and we'll start the session and, and I'll just say like, okay, that's cool. What, what would feel good? And maybe we just start with like laying down, you know, they say, I kind of just want to lay on the mat and I just want to, um, breathe for a bit. Yes. And then without me even cueing, I see some movement start to happen. Like I see maybe them draw like a knee into their chest or Mm -hmm. they're like kind of rounding their, their neck Mm -hmm. or twisting their ankles and so it's, it's just this kind of cool thing. It doesn't happen every time. Right. Sometimes we just genuinely don't want to move. But when we really honor our bodies and we ask for consent and we listen mm-hmm. when the answer is no, mm-hmm. more times than not afterwards, it's like, it's pivoting. Like actually mm. this would feel good. Yes. And the thing that maybe we didn't want to do originally, now that we didn't force it and we yes. didn't make ourselves do it, we yes. actually kind of want to do it and just maybe in a different way. Mm, it's beautiful. It's, uh, it's so interesting that it's, 
we don't do it that way that we don't we don't allow ourselves the space because it's allowing that space that you can step in and be like do I want to and you you surprise yourself yeah I actually do but I did need that 15 minutes first you know or god yeah. it's so beautiful can yeah, you talk a little bit of talk a little bit about just you know kind of what we wrap up um before you and I just keep, I mean, girl, you know, I can go and go. This is so exciting. And I can't tell you how excited I am for our, um, our class. You know, I just feel like it, it just feels sort of like a coming home, like, oh yes. Okay. This, this feels right to me. Right. It feels like it really clicks. I want people to know where they can find you, what you're currently working on. Are you accepting new clients? And then like, uh, upcoming certifications that you have going right now. Yeah. Um, so you can find me primarily on Instagram right now at the embodied trainer. Um, currently working on a website. Um, so that hopefully will be a 2023, uh, happening. Awesome. <laughs> um, and we're Chelsea and I are also currently working on, um, making re- recorded trainings mm-hmm. of the certification. We've gotten so many requests for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just to make it more accessible financially and also time, uh, timing wise. We we actually have a lot of people who are not in the U S who have been joining, which has been really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and depending on where they are, just, it's very hard to attend live. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, so we're working on that. We're trying to figure out, um, how to best go about that. We actually, we intentionally keep our groups, small. Um, and we, we haven't recorded yet really for the reason that we, we want the trainers that come to, for it to feel like it, it, it's a safe place to be able to process. And, you know, we're talking about trauma. So a Mm -hmm. lot of times things, things come up and we just don't want to change the dynamic by pressing record where people wouldn't feel as open to share. Mm -hmm. So we're just trying to figure that out. Um, I am not currently accepting uh, personal training clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I am accepting uh, consultations and um, mentorship clients from for other personal trainers. Mm-hmm. Um, for personal training clients who are looking for a, a trainer that is skilled in this trauma-informed approach, um, we actually, if you go to hopeignitedtraining.com, mm-hmm. um, on our page and you'll see at the top, it says find a, I want to say it's like find a practitioner or find a trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a directory of everyone that's completed our course. Um, oh, cool. and we did this so that, you know, like I, I think you mentioned before that it's really scary for people to reach out, um, and to know, you know, especially coming from many harmful yeah. um, experiences within the fitness world, which is one of the biggest reasons why we created the directory is we wanted people to be able to scroll through and, you know, look at profiles and see kind of where each person specializes to be able to create a good fit. Right. So um, people can always go on that directory. They could also, um, you know, reach out to me on Instagram if they tell me kind of what they're looking for, um, you know, what they're needing, mm-hmm. um, because are we, we tend to keep our certification groups small. Um, I really get to know the people that go through our training. So usually I can help provide a, a good match. Right. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. And just for my own like personal desire, maybe like ongoing CEUs, like continuing education, because you know, as soon as I finish this one, I'm going to be like, okay, hey, what's next? 
Like, oh, I want yeah. more. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're, we have so many. So for those of, for those who don't know, I mean, it's, it's literally just me and Chelsea. Um, a lot of times people see Hope Ignited and they, they think it's, uh, you know, a, a bigger organization. organization. Yeah. <laughs> it's just us. Yes. Um, and so we, we have so many goals of mm. expanding and, um, you know, growing our presenter panel, growing the amount of the trainings that we're offering so many ideas, Yeah. just, uh, you know, time. Always the trick is, is finding the time. I know. Yes. It's a slow burn, right? It's like, all right, I don't have to do all the things today. We've got time to build this movement, right? We're, yeah. There's but, time. You know, if for for you and anyone else that's listening, you know, if there are things that you'd like to learn more about, like mm-hmm. specific trainings, mm-hmm. definitely let me know. Okay. Um, because we can always, we can put, depending on what people are wanting and and. and what would be helpful. We can always put trainings together. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today and having this conversation. It was such a beautiful conversation and thank you so much for sharing. That was awesome. I loved that conversation. I hope that you enjoyed it too. Uh, if you did, please share the podcast with family and friends, uh, rate the podcast. It helps create an algorithm that allows more people to see it. Uh, and tune in next time. We're going to continue to look at some really interesting topics and uh, provide more information about how you can get healthier in every domain with a focus on being stronger, not smaller. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,